Welcome to Sofa Security Chat Chat, episode 194, for the 17th of April, 2014. I'm Chester Wisniewski, coming to you from London, England. Hello, Doc. Hello, Chester. Uh, we're both on the road today. Um, you're in a reasonably quiet place. I'm at a convention center, and uh, there's quite a lot going on here. So if you hear luncheon noises in the background, it's because one of the other sessions has just broken for their meal. Lots of work to do, and... I think if you're an IT administrator as a listener of ours, you probably have a lot of work to do as well, because uh, as always happens this time of the month, Update Tuesday. I think so, Chester. I think this one's particularly concerning for uh, anybody running any sort of Microsoft web service. And as you pointed out in your article on Naked Security, that doesn't just mean IIS. Well, actually, it's even worse than that, because the bug actually is in a component called http.sys. So it's a kernel component that helps deal with responding to HTTP requests. So it doesn't have to be a web server. It could be any computer on which there's code running that happens to be able to listen to HTTP requests and process them. There's all sorts of software that, for all you know, could fall into that category. A custom company messaging system, data logger, data collector, configuration agent for some software, peer-to-peer tools you use. This is not about web servers. It's about running Windows. I would put it as a very clear and very present danger. But, I mean, in this case, um, it's particularly dire as well because uh, apparently people are finding it entertaining to post the exploit code on Twitter And the exploit, of course, can cause vulnerable systems to blue screen and cause a denial of service condition, uh, even though those particular people may not be trying to, uh, you know, get remote code execution. They're crashing Windows servers all over the place. So another reason to get right on this is just self-preservation. While you're about it, then you can apply the other 10 Microsoft fixes, which include, uh, I think, a couple of other remote code executions and Adobe Flash. 22 CVE numbers fixed, including numerous remote code execution holes. It's not patch early, patch often in this month. It really is patch now. It's that important. While we're talking about things that have maybe seen their time, um, I saw another story on Naked Security about WPS, and I was hoping that we could stop talking about WPS a couple of years ago when we realized how atrocious an idea WPS was to begin with. Um, And unfortunately, I I guess this is just reaffirming that it's still a terrible idea. Yes, WPS, Wi-Fi Protected Setup. It's that rather curious idea that it's far, far, far too hard to type in your pre-shared key of, say, 14 mixed-up characters and digits on a mobile device. So what you do is there's an eight-digit code printed on the bottom of your router, and you use that instead. So it's sort of like having a carefully designed way of locking the key to the company safe in the top drawer of your desk. And now, this latest, yet another problem, this is Belkin routers. The pin that they generate, the eight-digit pin, which is not enough to start with, uh, but which is supposed to be a secret, is generated from non-secret information, namely the MAC address and the serial number of the router. Oh dear. Yeah, I, I, I realize that people want a way to put more complicated things in without typing them in. And in fact, maybe not the most secure thing in the world, but what I did at my house is I made an NFC tag that has my full security code on it. And when I want to pair a new uh, uh, 
at least Android device, which is what most of my devices are, I can simply tap the NFC tag and it sets it up on my device for me so I don't have to type it in. And at least that means I'm not uh, able to be remotely exploited the way you would be with WPS in a lot of these cases. This whole, you know, gee, I can break a code into smaller pieces and pour randomness and on and on and on, that doesn't seem like a risk I'm willing to deal with. No, particularly because of that problem you wrote about all those years ago about the fact that you don't have to check all eight digits, 10 to the power eight's worth of pins. You test the first four digits, and when you found what they are, then you test the remaining four digits, and one of those is a checksum anyway, <laughs> exactly. so you're actually checking three. To me, that means it's kind of fundamentally broken. It's a bad idea. Get rid of it. And the fact that we still continue using it, but yet with even more flaws piled on top, all this extra code that's defective to support something that can't work well in the first place. Perhaps we need to get the IEEE involved because, uh, you know, I remember they, they decertified WEP back in 2004 as being a terrible idea. Maybe we can get them to, uh, to proclaim WPS to be an equally bad idea and put it in the dustbin of history. You know, now you've mentioned something being a bad idea 10 years ago. I've got a feeling you're going to mention something we were chatting about earlier and went, surely not. Something to do with Virginia. Uh, well, she doesn't have anything to do with this, but the state of Virginia, it turns out, uh, just recently decertified some voting machines. Um, the, the Elections Commission themselves actually uh, decided to do some security testing of these voting machines. To say it went poorly would possibly be a gigantic understatement. They discovered these voting machines were using WEP. Uh, what is it short for again? Wired Equivalent Privacy. It's meant to suggest that if you use it, you will be no less secure than if you had to go to a jack-in-the-wall that was on the corporate network inside the building and plug in. Yeah, and in addition to using WEP, it was also these voting machines were based on a uh, specific version of embedded Windows XP that hasn't had any fixes since 2004. Um, they used Microsoft Access, uh, an older version, to store the votes themselves. And uh, the password was the name of the company that produced the software, which, of course, is extractable from old access documents using some free tools that are available. But to be fair, Chester, that password is five characters long. It's not as though they went really short. Well, in this case, it was six characters long for the access database. But the administrator password, of course, as you're pointing out, was five characters long because it was A-D-M-I-N. No, apparently the, the, uh, the database password was... Shoop, S-H-O-U-P. Oh, right. I thought there was a C in Shoop. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Oh, maybe they abbreviated it <laughs> to save typing. The other amazing thing, apparently, is that once you downloaded a database from the voting machine and opened it up with this five-character password and modified it and uploaded it back, the machine did not notice. But, I mean, this raises an interesting issue, right? Because these voting machines had been certified previously for quite a few elections and have been used arguably in production and elections in Virginia and in other states uh, going back more than 10 years. And what kind of certification process didn't catch this? I mean, in essence, when these were deployed was the same time that I just referenced when the IEEE basically warned the world that WEP was not equivalent to a wired connection. And if we knew that when these were brand new, arguably they should have never passed a certification to be used from day one. Yes, and the fact that then for another 10 years, they just sort of limped along and no one noticed 
is pretty worrying. I mean, I was rereading a, uh, a Bruce Schneier book that I've got from about a decade ago, where he was writing about voting machines and decrying their poor state of security and attitude towards security. And that was for stuff that wasn't this bad 10 years ago. That's what really worries me, not that this machine was built and put into production, but that it actually took 10 years for this sort of problem to come out in the wash. Um, now, everybody's been talking about crypto, whether it's about the Edward Snowden leaks, whether it's about Heartbleed, um, crypto's really becoming a mainstream topic. And uh, not too long ago here in the United Kingdom, there was a conversation about uh, the prime minister wanting to eliminate encryption, which was a, probably a mischaracterization of what his intentions were, but nonetheless sparked a very public debate about the role of encryption in protecting our communications. And now um, the NSA is uh, everybody's favorite agency that clearly respects crypto, is talking about um, maybe making a front door, because of course we, we don't like back doors and things because we know that back doors are bad and they can be exploited. So now we're kind of turning this around and saying, what if we had a front door with a really, really complicated multi-part key that would ensure that we're not abusive, but would allow us to monitor your communications? Well, to quote someone I know called Chester, uh, it's like deja vu all over again, isn't it? Uh, was it the, the beginning of, the, uh, of Bill Clinton's administration? In the 1990s, the U.S. government and regulators thought it would be a great idea to have a thing called the clipper chip for, for uh, telephony that you put in a mobile phone and there'd be a, a law enforcement part of the key and there'd be a part of the key that you had. And the idea was that you would get privacy and you would get secrecy, but if somebody wanted to tap your calls, they could do so, but not just on a whim. I guess one of the problems is that the crooks just won't bother to use it. So where will we be in terms of reading the bad guys stuff? Um, and secondly, it will just make everything that much more complicated. And we seem to be having enough trouble doing straightforward cryptography correctly. So it sounds a little bit like a recipe for disaster combined with irrelevancy when it comes to guys like the crooks. All that really does is unlock the communications of law-abiding citizens because anyone who's not law-abiding simply won't implement the lock that has those keys. And, and that, to me, makes the whole point rather moot. We we'll always like to end the chat chat on a more positive note than uh, NSA topics. So let's talk about some of these botnet takedowns, which uh, are certainly good news. We saw the Simda botnet uh, dismantled in the last week, as well as, uh, and I'm very bad with the name of this other one. B-Bone. Now, the numbers allegedly were something like uh, three quarters of a million in one botnet and maybe tens of thousands in the other, but I don't even know if the numbers matter that much. This is just good news. I mean, both of these pieces of malware that were being distributed, I guess you would classify as, as downloaders and bots, right? They have the ability to grab additional payloads and they have the ability to basically put you under the instruction of a remote criminal who can tell your machine to do things you would never tell it to do. And whether it's the three quarters of a million or one million or two million or five million or even 10,000, making the world a safer place is a good thing, right? When they're able to take out servers and replace them with sinkholes, often they're able to capture, seize those servers and analyze them, and that can be golden. Uh, as we found, remember, with the Game Over botnet, 
when law enforcement took that down, it turned out that those servers were also related to the CryptoLocker infrastructure. So by taking out the game over malware, they actually nobbled CryptoLocker at the same time. And my understanding is they actually recovered those secret decryption keys. So if only a few people got their data back who wouldn't otherwise have done so, you have to chalk that up as a win. So well done to law enforcement, Interpol, Europol, for taking down B-Bone and this Cinder botnet. Good luck with the next lot, chaps. And on that note, I'll conclude Sofa Security Chat Chat 194. As always, for the latest security news, you can visit nakedsecurity.sophos.com. All of our podcasts are available on TuneIn, on iTunes, or via RSS, and at soundcloud.com slash Until next time, stay secure.